your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here, joined per usual by Ryan. And today we are talking the Everton manager hunt. It has been a uh, whiplash-inducing couple weeks. Seems like a new target emerges every day. The journos have no clue what's going on. The fans have no clue what's going on. And people are alternating between unbridled rage and, I guess, just kind of a, a, a meh feeling basically given the uh, candidates that are on display but we're going to walk through the timeline and discuss all the latest goings on so buckle up we got a lot for you and let's get right into it ryan i mean in reality though i mean ethan zander keeps saying this his his attempts to keep us sane which is just so ironic like i'm supposed to be that guy right <laughs> i am not and i'm i'm i have to admit i'm a little bit I'm emotional about this stuff. I'm starting to get kind of angry um, for no reason, probably. Uh, yeah, it's he's the one that keeps saying these guys don't know anything. Why are you even listening to these people? So, I mean, the fact that anyone feels some sort of emotional roller coaster, Ethan may be spot on, man. It may be nothing. Um, but yes, we should walk through, in essence, the roller coaster as we know it. I, I, I would say I think the first moment that anyone thought anyone was really close to being hired uh, was Duncan Castles came out and he's kind of known for being very pro Mourinho and Jose Mendez. And that's uh, Nuno Espirito Santos's agent and his first client too. So they have a very good relationship and presumably he should know a little bit of the inside dope. And, and it's, you know, he was initially talking with Crystal Palace, we know, and Everton kind of pinged him and, I'm sure he backed off Palace or he made some crazy demands and Palace said, we're done with you. And then Everton was pushing to talk to him, right? And then the next thing we know, Dominic King comes out and says he's close to being appointed Everton's new manager. Yeah, and, and essentially reporting, whether it's true or not, the reports he was given that Farhad had decided Nuno, <clears throat> Farhad has decided Nuno's his number one choice. Nuno's camp are expecting a formal written contract to arrive in the next 48 hours. This was on June 11th, wants to take the job, excited by the challenge. Now, at this point, we have been talking about Christophe Gautier. We have been talking about a bunch of other candidates. Uh, Graham Potter was in the mix, obviously. There were a lot of guys in the yep. mix, and I think in general, the reaction at the time to Nuno was a bit of that meh feeling, like this is the guy. After Carlo, I made the point that I think anyone was going to be a little bit underwhelming. Obviously, it didn't end well, but at the time, everyone was over the moon, and so to bring in a guy like Nuno looking to maybe perhaps make the next step up from Wolves to a club that are hopefully you could argue that it's not a step up, but I, I would well, more aspirational. I think yeah, that's yeah. fine. And we talked about this on the pod last time. I think the, the concern was not that objectively he's a good manager. Yeah. I mean, he did well at Valencia um, Porto finished second, but some of their peripheral stats looked very, very good, but he's a cautious guy. You know, Jose, Jose Mourinho is the guy who brought him in, you know, and, he does some interesting things, but we've seen Wolves play now for a couple of years and, and they're boring. reserved. Very. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, they're cautious, cautious, you know, um, organized, good shape, 
uh, they attack sometimes swiftly out of the counter. And, and I think we were almost resigned that he was coming. So yeah. to me, I was kind of trying to rationalize what scenario would this work? Um, I, I didn't hate him because I think he's a good manager. I kind of like him as an individual. I actually think he would fit in as an individual's personality with the Everton ethos a little bit, I think. Um, but yeah, for an ambitious modern club, you know, I hope we're, I, I don't, I don't think we have a strong identity. We'll talk about that in a second, but I'm hoping that Everton is kind of like the past historical club now reinventing itself and rising from the ashes, like some sort of Phoenix or something. Yeah. Uh, maybe I may, I just, this is for me living in Phoenix before, uh, but I, maybe that's it. Uh, Arizona Evertonians are like, yeah, man, the Phoenix <laughs> it's hot out here. What's going on. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? So I, I, I wanted us to choose someone. And I think a lot of Evertonians wanted to see that, type of younger hungry innovative type guy and i i think that that image that identity could sync with everton and i i think the best example of that is brandley mordock you know what i mean you've got like this great consultation where everyone totally agreed fully on a design that does a really nice job of balancing the history but then building upon mm. it you know paying homage to it but still moving into the 21st century and i think we're looking for that appointee and, and nuno doesn't quite do that no he doesn't quite do that but not and i was reading some really good reporting from the athletic on what happened really with the palace deal and it seemed like and this is no surprise it was well known that nuno had a huge backroom staff at wolves and it seemed like he wanted to bring a, a large number of those along with him wherever he would end up next that obviously yeah. places budget constraints and there's all sorts of peripheral financial stuff that you have to walk through there. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly what happened here, but there were some rumors that potentially uh, obviously members of the board want to keep Duncan Ferguson on as an assistant and that Nuno perhaps wasn't totally buying into that idea. He wanted his guys and his guys only. Do we, we believe that? I don't believe that it came down to being like a, dunk it's either dunk or me but i do think he would have might have been a little apprehensive about having this other guy that he has no prior relationship with on his staff i think that's fair i think it's a fair oh reason. i think it's i think it's ridiculous i mean if you're bringing in a manager they should have full reign to bring in who they need to bring in and that should be part of the discussion up front don't get me wrong i i understand why the board or people would want him to stay there he's connected to the board he can give you a bit better insight or the inside dope what's going on. But but really, that's an indictment of the overall structure. Yeah. I mean, Marcel Brands needs to be the one that brings him in and oversees him anyway. So Brands should have full insight in terms of what's going on with the first team. Uh, that's the whole concept of the structure. So I guess I'll ask this question. See, I'm curious your answer. If Carlo said, hey, Carlo coming in, you know, a year and a half ago said, Hey, I, I really, there's no real room for, for Duncan and David. I, I need him out. I mean, first of all, don't you think we would have said fine? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, and maybe Carlos just appreciative of Duncan and, and Duncan could be a very good coach too. I, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not, but if Nuno, the way, and the way the athletic guys described him coming into wolves, kind of that insulated group yeah. and everything and his tight knit group and, and how quickly they were able to transition and kind of put their imprint on a club. If he really feels like he can't have anyone outside of his inner circle coming in from a management standpoint, I, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I love Duncan Ferguson. Obviously he has, brought some 
memorable moments in his stints as interim manager. But it is a little weird that we kind of have this assistant manager that just sort of has has lingered. And you could say it's a it's a pro because there's that element of continuity. But it's a, it, it does feel a little strange in a in a world where managers typically bring all their staff with them to have this guy that yeah. kind of has just lasted uh, through now like five managers. And he's the only one left. I mean, there's not I, I think the problem is Nuno probably if I had to guess. The argument is he wants to bring in some of his own medical guys, some of his own sports science guys, because he's had like a real strong focus on injury prevention. And look, um, with what? Well, yeah, I well, I had to laugh about that when I've read about some of his theories on that. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, Nuno is maybe not quite the extent of, well, maybe even more to the extent of Marco Silva. He's a. tactical periodization guy and so the the linkages between the sports science and the tactical and the managerial side are very strong so um if he feels like he needs a seamless transition with those guys then i understand it you know if that's part of his keys to success so to me that's a deal breaker i just some of the mythology around this so dom king wrote some stuff and i think he's tugging on the heartstrings of evertonians and i think he's doing this on purpose and this is the stuff that journalists do that do tick me off i have to yeah um but yeah, I mean, so there have been lots of names, lots of talks. The latest set have left. Rafa Benitez is the transition, expecting to receive a formal offer. Um, but then he talks about how this is happening. And, and other people have alluded to the fact that Duncan is the issue. And then, I mean, so he, he says a couple different things about this. The one thing absolutely clear in all this is how much Farhad Moshiri is driving it all. Moshiri has made the approach for Benitez, not anyone else at Everton. If he proceeds and appoints him, it will be a remarkable show of doing as he pleases. Now, do we buy that? I buy that it was his idea and him. He was the the primary guy pushing someone like Rafa because I'm a hard pushing or just talking to. Do you think pushing? Really? It's impossible to say. I know you don't. I know. think I this is know. like I a just... journalist's dream in thriving. Oh, on this Ambiguity and being able to, as you said, tug on people's heartstrings, throw out a tweet, maybe asserting. Uh, Penny says, don't fall for this. And I, and I don't like I've ne- I've been very much and we have on the show historically really been uh, pretty diligent about the, the transfer rumors and all this sort of stuff that we report on because so much of it We've is tried. just garbage. Um, We've tried. But it does seem like we said on the on recent shows and, and on Twitter, this needs to be brands. And this goes against this is there's I just don't see any way in what I know about Marcel Brands that he's going to look at a guy like Rafa Benitez and look at what his vision for the club would be and say, this is all in alignment. I think this is a good idea. Yeah, that could also Dom King may know that, too, uh, and, and be preying on it a little yeah. bit. I mean, look, look. Uh, Mashiri talks to agents. He has a relationship with Kia is probably the, the biggest one he has, but Mendez, I mean, Mendez was Hamez's agent. So, and, and look, brands has dealt with these guys too. So, so he's the, the super agents. I mean, they're, they're obviously very well. We connected. don't, we don't get Moise keen if he's not Mino's, you know, right. kind of Mino in the past, the way he was, you know? Um, so, so let's talk about Rafa because I agree with your contention. And I think after what Dom King wrote, I wasn't thinking too much about it. But it was Jim White pinging this sucker that I think set people off that made it think it was real. So his quote is, and this was you know less than 24 hours ago, 
being told Rafa Benitez tonight on the brink of becoming Everton manager after more talks today. So I think that probably is what set people yep. off. And, and so I liked Andy Gray's take on it. I thought it was spot on. I thought he absolutely nailed it. First of all, I, I think there, there are a lot of concerns. Number one, what has he done lately? I mean, he, he got Newcastle out of the championship 16, 17. So he won the championship. However, when he was hired, I mean, he was hired in early March, I believe, of the, of the preceding year. I mean, they were one point out of 17th, I think. Uh, and they had a game at hand. So he's a little bit complicit. I, I recognize the roster is not great, but he's a little bit complicit in them going down. So great. He got him back up. I mean, they were, I think, the, the priciest team in the championship. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they were. And then he kind of kept them afloat. But I, I think a lot of people would look at the current success or lack of Newcastle, or at least the ability to stay up and say, well, Rafa didn't really eclipse them. And he had all sorts of things to say about their ownership and other things. So I, th I think the other aspect of it is how good a manager is Rafa Benitez at this right. point. Do, I, I mean, I, I, there's nothing in his record right now that says what he's doing currently seems applicable to Everton. Right. And I'm not really blown away by what he did at Napoli and and look so so ignoring what he said about Everton in the past we'll get to that in a second objectively looking at this guy's age probably works against him I mean does this seem like the person that we we're hoping we we'd hire he doesn't what he does is he he checks the box of a former Premier League manager he's got experience yeah. and he's won trophies and I think if you're far Farhad Mashiri you're now several years into this endeavor this investment and you've seen very little return. You've been throwing money in and essentially uh, for, in some seasons, lighting it all on fire and some seasons having at least a, maybe a little bit of continuity. But if you're, if you're most sure you want someone who's going to come in and stay for three years, right? This is the, what we've said every single managerial appointment, at least it would be nice. It would be nice to have that. And, and Rafa, all, all the peripheral stuff, the previous comments, the fact that he's a former Liverpool manager. I'll yeah, let's talk about okay, that. Let's I mean, talk about it. I, I, look, I mean, he called Everton a small club. I, I think he was fairly demeaning to Everton. He was to Chelsea, too, and then went to Chelsea, and the supporters hated his guts. Um, I mean, he won him over a little bit at the end, but they never truly accepted him. I, I think that matters, it right? And not matters. just because he belittled us, but I think the general attitude in general, like, I understand if another manager is ticking you off and he had all sorts of battles with Alex Ferguson and other people. I have no problem with that. I expect managers to be competitive. They're going to have some grudges. That's fine. But what are you belittling? I, just the attitude of belittling a club in general and their supporters base is not okay to me. Um, and should he be surprised that people aren't going to want to welcome him with open arms? So I, I think that's, that's probably the key reason why a lot of Evertonians don't want him. I think other Evertonians that are a little more progressive, maybe still point to his record and say, look, man, you haven't won anything, but the championships in 16, 17 since 2014, really. And Nuno did that and he's younger and he's organized too. So I, I don't, the style of play, I don't think is riveting either. So I, he doesn't look like a very progressive kind of up and coming hungry, innovative type guy. Right. Number one, then he belittled the club and, and in general, like his persona, does that, seem like Everton to you it doesn't and also I, I don't oh. want to I don't want to well the fact that he went to China and just wanted to collect a payday also sort of just speaks to how much motivation does he really have to continue to to to, 
not just like take over a, a top team and, and help guide like a team that's already competing for trophies, but to take on a project where you're going to have to uplift the team and build something. It doesn't speak to that sort of mentality. And at his age, who can really blame him? I think I, I still think we were really naive in hindsight, obviously, to think that Carlo was really interested in that sort of project as well. These guys yeah. are coming to the there's their career sunset riding off. They're not looking for to, to spend three or four years trying to get Everton into the Champions League. It's just not realistic. And, and I think the other this job requires passion, dedication and energy. Yes. Like you look at a guy like Bielsa, who's an old dude. That dude is still ball fire. He isn't. And his players will run through a brick wall for him. Absolutely. You can tell he is in it. I mean, he is in it. There's no question. He is fully vested. Um, he's still slightly on the edge. You know, look, Loco, you know, we know it. Um, Rafa Benitez has his house still in the world. You know what I mean? Like, it seems very convenient, doesn't it? It seems like a nice little gig for him to make a lot of money. Uh, the I, other thing, the yes, other thing with Rafa, though, be skeptical. Right? Yeah. And the other thing with Rafa is the control over transfers. He reportedly likes to be no question. very, very involved in that process. And that's just another reason that it's like a square peg round hole type of thing where we're looking for someone to where Marcel is orchestrating the transfer deals. We don't in conjunction with the manager and in coordination and cooperation, but it's Marcel, then the manager, and it can't be this confrontational thing. He obviously had plenty of uh, battles with Mike Ashley at Newcastle regarding transfer budgets and what was supposedly promised to him and what was actually given, which is no surprise if you've ever spent three seconds like reading about Mike Ashley. But it's just another case of, I really don't see any way this makes sense other than the very surface level. This is a guy who's managed in the Premier League and has won trophies before. I see. I mean, he's the type of guy that goes to fancy dinners. And when people ask him about tactics, I see him placing wine glasses and trying to chart something out. That is not Everton. Yeah. It's not. And that doesn't mean that we don't have, you know, elegant footballers in the past. And we've had brilliant, beautiful, like Ball and Alex Young. And those people are elegant players, truly creative and genius. But like, it's still, I mean, a working class yeah. city and fan base. Yep. And, and you say it's a family club. You know what I mean? The people's club is the people's club. The guy's going to sit down and be aloof to his players, not build strong relationships with them. Crack open a bottle of red all the time. Uh, you know, I mean, his, his dad was like a hotelier type guy. I mean, I, I just don't, he, he, he seems borderline uppity to me yeah. and aloof. I mean, I, I, and I'm glad that he's intelligent and technical. He was one of the first guys to really get a video analysis. His players used to make fun of him. I think they gave him like for a birthday gift. They gave him like a tape or a VCR <laughs> or something crazy like that. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering the story, but it just, he does not seem like he did some things for Liverpool when he walked out too. Let, let's talk about this in a second, but I just, he, he doesn't seem like Everton to me. Uh, and I, I just, Ignoring the Liverpool stuff, he just doesn't seem like the, even have the persona. Even yeah. if he was the charisma, younger, the persona, the gravitas. His charisma is yes, his charisma is different. You know, it's just more like I don't know. It's Real Madrid more to me yeah. than you know with Galacticos and stuff. And even Carlo is way more down to earth, I think, than this guy, at least in my personal opinion. And, and people are um, mad, right, Ryan? I mean, people are are upset. There was obviously the incident that happened today. Uh, sheets, <clears throat> aka slash signs. 
at yeah. uh, on the on the fences around Goodison with some uh, less than welcoming messages for Rafa. So that we well, let's talk about yeah. that because look, I I don't I don't know if the Jim White tweet did it itself, but you know, obviously Paul Joyce came out from the Times, and I know Paul's maybe not got the inside rub anymore as much, but. You know, his comment is Rafa Benitez held further talks to senior Everton figures today and is expecting to be formally offered the manager's job. Um, you know, it says that he's had three rounds of discussions with with Mashiri. Again, that doesn't mean he's talked to the whole board. That just means he talks to Mashiri. But the point is, that was that was 12 hours after the Jim White tweet. So the Jim White tweet had a, a massive response on social media uproar and very divisive figure. It seemed like it was very obvious. It was hard to find too many lucid people that were in favor of yes this. Uh, in all yeah, honesty yeah. so I, I predominantly and i and social media can sometimes be a bad representation of the people but i this one was obvious to me too i mean you wouldn't appoint this guy without knowing that you're going to face some backlash so yeah. it, 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 to me to, but the next tweet i think is what set everyone off because it's like are you did you not hear us like we just went off on this for half a day right. and you're still talking to the guy so i don't know if that was intentional by paul joyce just to kind of stir the pot a little bit but the reaction is, yeah, sure. People are putting sheets on Goodison. And I, I thought our discussion on the Discord was really good about this, I think. Yeah, we had a, a Cryptus start. We'll just read this little excerpt. It was a really good conversation. If you're not on our Discord, you should join it. Invite.gg yes, slash ATP. Uh, he said, think the bed sheets are tacky. Just say we'll never accept Rafa or something without cursing. You look like a teenager with what they put on there. And it makes us look like classless Liverpool fans. IMO, in my opinion. Penny Blue Penny's has a good line. No, no. Pen Penny's is good, though. He's like, nah, they spray painted on the structures themselves. Like, but um, at least we had the at least we had the class to actually, you know, put a sheet on there, which is removable. Um, but yeah, EFC Jonesy, I thought nailed it. He got it. right. Yeah, he said disgrace. Totally unacceptable to write or totally acceptable to write Benitez not welcome or other things along those lines. However, the other one, which we won't repeat because we can't on this show. Isn't nope. what Everton stands for, and suddenly we look no better than those on the other side of the park. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, and, and, and you know, he brought up the fact that Benitez dropped, you know, 96k of his own money, you know, for the support of the Hillsborough groups and things, things like that. I mean, it sounded like he did a lot of good things while he was here, and I, I think he's maybe not that charismatic, social type guy to go out there and, and be a man of the people, but he did do some good things. So maybe Ralph is not necessarily a bad guy. But yeah, I mean, Cryptes and, and, and Jonesy got it right. I mean, you don't need to write that stuff on there. If all you put down is something direct and affirmative, but, but look, no one should be surprised that people are ticked off and a small portion of any fan base is going to be a little bit crazy. I'm not defending it. I'm not endorsing it all. It was wrong. I wish we hadn't done it. But the, the fury was real. Yeah, the root cause and the sentiment, I think, is fair. Like, there's we've talked about it. There's so many outside of the just Liverpool connections and everything else, it just makes no sense. And if it is Farhad truly driving this, uh, this appointment, as has been reported, again, I don't think anyone really knows anything. People are saying, well, this could represent a turning point in terms of the fan base's uh, attitudes towards the ownership, which really up until this point has been, uh, I think, I think very accommodating given the lack of results yeah. um, because he has just, like I said, thrown money uh, down a well and, Maybe a little skeptical, maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, but I think most rational people will follow the narrative that, look, he hired the wrong guys at first, knocked them out, canned them, spent a lot of money, it realized he made a mistake, and now we're just kind of building out of those mistakes. But I think this would be 
a very strong illustration of someone that is not in touch with the fans. Whereas the fans thought at least, I think especially through the Super League stuff and some of the stuff that he said, he doesn't speak that much. Brands never speaks. Um, he spoke at the Everton USA thing, which was lovely to hear. I wish he did more of that stuff. I mean, he's quite an eloquent guy, yeah. very likable. Um, he's Dutch, though. You know, they don't necessarily over talk. <laughs> I mean, sorry, everyone in uh, the Netherlands, but you got to admit that as a stereotype is, is relatively accurate at times. Yeah. Uh, not with everyone, not with everyone. But um, yeah, I just I think it was the fans reaction to say this guy really doesn't get us. We thought at least there was a chance that he would get us or he'd at least let the football, let the culture to the board and let the football to brands. And this guy's really completely going out of his own, despite knowing we're ticked off. He doesn't get us. I'm furious. We need to send a message. I think that is real. But what irritates me is some of the judgment on people, too, about this uh, that don't get it. And and I wanted to read off the GM Balazs stuff that he sent out that ticked me off. Uh, he deleted his initial tweet, whatever. But I insist is what he wrote. I refuse to believe Everton fans can be that disrespectful, but particularly against someone who has done so much for so many in Liverpool. Ask around if you want to know what. Whoever did the banner, a brave single soldier who has done it anonymously, of course, you're an embarrassment to the city. Fine. But then he goes on to this, and this is what does tick me off. Nothing uglier than the fury and bullying of the masses, especially when they believe they are huge. Here they are not. And they think to be unanimous, they are not. By not inviting a proper debate with those that think differently and bully instead, you're making your club smaller. Okay, first of all, that's a cheap shot. And he knows what he's writing there. Second of all, this is way more unanimous than he thinks it yeah, is. I agreed. mean, I literally can't find anyone that doesn't. So wake up, buddy. You, you're tone deaf. You're clearly sticking up for your Spanish brethren. And it's not okay. I'm sorry. There's Look. Why is it so difficult to understand that certain managers are not going to be good fits with certain clubs? This doesn't mean Rafa Benitez is not a good manager. He may be fantastic. Not the point. I mean, I, I don't. Why is that confusing that different clubs have different ethos, different clubs have different people and personality. And if anything, I would say the Everton feeling as a fan base in certain aspects is very universal and very united. And this is a polarizing figure. And I think there are very good reasons for it. Um, so fine. Yes. Decry the banners and the content on the banners, but let us not try. And I, I think it takes a lot for an Everton fan base to be so mobilized and someone to feel so compelled to do something like that. I don't think that is an empty gesture. And I don't think it's just one person um, that's irritated. I think that does represent the mass. Yeah, I think it does. And I think the execution probably left a little to be desired, but at its core, oh, I think well, you're right. Yeah. Like people definitely, uh, I, I think this is much more unanimous than than Guillaume would have us believe or maybe that he believed. Darn right. I think this is a this would just be so out of left field and so uh, incongruous with what we've been told by the board in terms of the vision and the objectives of the club in the in the mid to long term that it would I really do think it would be sort of a, a watershed moment for the the fan base's relationship and, and for me, it's just, it would be, he'd be starting, you'd be basically, you know, handicapping him from the get-go where he would have to overcome this no huge obstacle of all of these factors. And so if he won his first like eight, 10 games, then, you know, tides might start to turn for him. Sentiment would start to, to turn, I would think. But do you really think that's going to happen? And he's going to be having no. a very short leash, if not with ownership, then with the fans. And we know that with fans back in the stadium, knock on wood, 
next season. They Goodison can be an amazing place, but it can also be a harsh and unforgiving place. And I think that would be uh, the, the case sooner rather than later. Should Benitez stumble out of the gate. I, he'll, he'll never be accepted. Look, he's not a good enough manager to make. Him that exactly. I'm sorry. It's just, not, I really, me, he's not. Um, all right. So let's take a step back. Let, let's take the Ethan Zander approach where um, none of this is real. This is all a bunch of fakeness and discussion and dialogue. And we're not even that close. There have been some interesting events that have happened outside of Everton that have been completely fascinating. I hope to dear God that Tottenham is still doing the um, all or nothing thing or oh, everything yeah. they were doing before, because this would be something I thought Fonseca was a done deal to them. Apparently there are some issues with Tottenham not wanting to pay certain differences due to tax differences between Italy and England, whatever. Um, but talks have broken, broken down and it looks like Tottenham is very close to signing Gattuso as their manager, which the memes is Ryan. just the memes. Again, I, I recommend anyone to look up Tiago Silva's telling of Ibrahimovic throwing Gattuso into the garden. <laughs> that to me is just genius. Um, so look, Fonseca's out there. I said from day one, I thought he was the logical choice. I don't know if he would come to Everton if he couldn't work things out with Tottenham, but Farhad, if he thinks he's the right one, is the right one to throw money. Patty kind of implied, or maybe it was Greg O'Keefe that implied that he, he, was, he wasn't of interest the first rounds when Carlo came. Maybe it was Marco. Um, but I didn't think that was the case. I thought we were interested in Fonseca didn't, wasn't comfortable yet. Um, that may have been part of it. Um, I think he would be very interesting, certainly a much better and more popular appointment than either Nuno or definitely Rafa, of course. Um, and Lucien Favre, I think, other than being a huge cheesehead and, and relative to Brett Favre, he's not a relative <laughs> to Brett Favre. Oh, my not God. <laughs> I, I just Ooh. see the last one. I, I, uh, all right. Sorry. Uh, he's a really interesting manager, yeah. uh, formerly of Dortmund, has a fantastic career of of taking some mid table sides to some incredible heights. Um, very, you know, laid back guy, very relaxed, similar to Carlo in terms of his demeanor, but a borderline genius. Um, he God, his sides completely break every XG model. And it's so funny to hear at me, you know, being someone that's a bit of a proponent of modern day analysis. I think I understand a bit why. And I've looked into this topic a lot, but I mean, people can't handle it. They just lose their minds. Um, and Ed Aarons of The Guardian basically said that told there was interest in Lucien Favre and more than one Premier League club, including Crystal Palace. Well, the only ones left are Spurs and Everton, basically. Right. And Spurs looks like they're going after Gattuso. So what do we think about these two? We've not heard any connections with Fonseca, but Favre would be very interesting, I think. Yeah, I think they're both interesting candidates. And I think they'd, they'd obviously both be better received. Well, at this point, it's like, I think everyone would say anyone but Rafa will just like cheer. Well, do you buy into that, though? Do you buy into that? Th so first of all, I think they're. if I had to guess, I, I wouldn't be surprised Farhad leaked the name to Jim White to see the reaction. Yeah. So, so maybe it could be one of those things. Joyce just sent it out to be bitter or whatever. I, I, I don't know why, or, or I mean, maybe they really are continuing talks with them. So, um, but I, I mean, had to have seen the reaction of course, and I'm not yeah. so sure that that isn't what also happened with Nuno. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, and, I mean, look, there's so much going on that we have. Yeah. We're getting a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the context in, and that fraction might be 
a lie or a leak, a purposeful leak to, uh, you know, test the room, feel the room out a little bit. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if there were, these were media leaks that were just sort of read the room, see what the re- fan reaction is. And they certainly uh, got a good <laughs> glimpse of what that would look like. I would be, I would be really happy with Fonseca, but as you said, the financials, if, if you can't agree with Spurs, although they are known to be, of course, Levy, a sh- very shrewd negotiator. Yeah. Um, Fevra would be, would be an interesting one. I think less of a known commodity, at least amongst like the English fan base, but very well respected would uh, seems like, as you said, laid back and a guy who um, I think would be a good man manager. I think, I think he would be far and away the best appointment. I mean, almost one of the best that we could possibly get. He's an older guy, but he is really cerebral and intelligent. He's the older guy that would come in and be zoned in and locked into it. I don't know if his personality plays as well on mercy side Mm -hmm. as Fonseca would. I mean, Fonseca is tall. It's got the Zorro thing. He would come in and he, he's got a little bit of a cockiness to him um, that I think the Evertonians would like uh, actually, um, I think he could barb with the people. Um, his English is very good too. Uh, he could hang. I think. I think some of his. I mean, Favre likes to set up with the with the three back too. Um, both of them like to play out of the back. There's some similarities there. Uh, Lucian's a little more patient in terms of his buildup, but you know, Fonseca is too. I, I just think. I mean, Favre's record is really incredible. Like he has really done some amazing things. Um, Zurich, Hertha. Mochi Gladbach, the one he did with that team was fantastic. He had a short stint at Nice and just killed it. I mean, he's been terrific. He was even very good with Dortmund. I mean, they were like Dortmund's back playing amazing football. I mean, they thought they were going to beat Bayern pretty close. You know, I think they lost by two points. I mean, really only the last year did he kind of fall out a little bit. I mean, this guy has been really remarkable and patient and I could see him staying here and I could see him fitting in with the people. It's just that he doesn't necessarily have that gregarious personality but, but um, i don't think you need that you don't need that maybe like not if you, maybe if you not. win then all else is forgiven if you win i mean you don't have to say a thing you can get up there and just snap your fingers right. it's fine um yeah i just I, he, they're different I they're just very point, different yeah. I, I i they're different i mean he's more like carlo fonseca would be a breath of fresh air i think people might really appreciate him i, I don't think it's a massive rich risk either way but like Lucian does not seem like the person that's going to punch someone in the nose. Yeah. And let's be honest, the scouts, scouts just want a little bit of that, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they may not admit it, but that's why they love Dunk, you know, because he's passionate. So I don't know if Lucian necessarily conveys that, but he is a passionate guy for sure. I mean, he's just into it. Um, so, all right, let's take a step back. All right, what do we think is really going on here? So we, we suggested that maybe Mashiri's talking to people to get a reaction. Press is probably getting stuff with agents, right? We, yeah. we don't think... So, so there is a theory that Marcel Brands is still running this whole show, but he didn't tell anyone anything. So maybe these guys are overreacting or, or gnawing on stuff or Moshiri's playing the PR game. What do you think? Or do we think Moshiri really, I mean, Paul Viesque makes a good point about does, is Moshiri thinking about his investment yeah. and wanting to, to, to elect a big name. Now someone, I, I think we're a little bit more in touch with the football community than your average commercial banker is. And we would know that Rafa is not necessarily any more safe a bet. I think than anyone else In fact, of anything, I think he's just the polarizing nature of the hire would be a, a much worse bet yeah. from an economic standpoint, potentially. 
But but do you think Paul's take has merit? Yeah, so let's read it. He's Paul basically, here's here's the quote. He says, whether we like it or not, there is a logic to Moshiri's pursuit of an experienced Premier League manager, the lenders to Bramley Moore. We're attempting an unusual pre-construction form of financing, and lenders will be keen for stability over the next three years. Must be a major part of the consideration. And I think that's a good point. I think just looking at what what Bramley Moore represents in terms of Everton's long-term ambitions. That is, uh, that might even take precedent over certain short-term footballing objectives. Like you want to preserve the ability to build the stadium. And obviously not that either of us are remotely under the, the thought that Everton has a chance of being relegated. I think that's, that's not a remote possibility. Um, but it is something when you're doing an analysis on an investment, you're going to consider risk very heavily. And that would be one of the huge risks that would completely derail this project. So there is something to be said for, we want to get some sort of stability. Now, the the issue with the application of that is that Rafa doesn't necessarily represent that, as you said, any more than these other guys do. And so is it a bit of um, a misjudgment by Moshiri, if that's the case. And, and to be fair, the ask isn't saying that um, he just said experience, right? Exactly. Which yeah, covers so a few it's guys. Not, not in fact, I know he's outraged at this as well. Uh, Cause he's a true blue. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think in many ways, Rafa would be the most destabilizing guy you could think of. I mean, he seems like he really cares to play in the transfer market. Uh, he's a control freak. I cannot imagine Marcel. Brand. I think that's part of the issue. I think it's hard for people to think that brands would endorse that because he'd feel like he's just relegated to the back room and, and it's pointless. Um, pa- Paul makes a good point. Uh, that being said, that also seems kind of consistent with Nuno. I mean, not not that he's I mean, he's I think he represents more stability than Rafa. But if the guy is that he's going to bring this massive staff. Well, we've, I mean, you look at the financial statements, we'd have one time costs of manager firings and paying them off a couple times now. Yeah. I and mean, those are big money, one line items on there that we normally just pull out in a valuation standpoint here. We're getting a finance in the pot. I didn't think we we're going to do that. You normally pull those out as kind of one time isolated events and you wouldn't involve it in kind of any sort of projection you'd have or, you know, financial modeling. But when you see it happening multiple times, you start to question the stability of the club. So just from a dollars and cents point, there is risk in having a, a bigger staff. And if that requires you to fire and move some people out of current Everton staff or keep them on a little bit longer at, at heightened expense, may, may, you know, that is consistent with what Paul's saying. Um, but, but I think ultimately though, this, I think part of the outrage is for me, what's frustrating for me is there are a lot of signs here that the proper structure really isn't yep. in place between what the board should be doing what the sporting director or director of football should be doing and and kind of what the manager is doing. Now, maybe this is the press preying on the fact that, you know, Carlo came in and we assume that he had more, more of a role than brands. Um, And I think most people view Marcel brands favorably. I mean, obviously you got an extension. Um, I think most people realize he inherited a bad situation, but uh, do we think this is the press playing on it? I mean, there's certainly issues with the structure. Yeah. And I think, I think the transparency is one of the things that uh, again, because yeah, we're getting so little of, of the information people, people, there are people saying that like brands is sitting at his desk, twiddling his thumbs. Like he's not doing anything. Like he hasn't done any, like he's not doing his job. Oh, and it's like, paper, paper. that's a ludicrous. Uh, and this is like, obviously the, the fringe of people. I think, as you said, most people are still behind brands. But, it, but he doesn't come out and speak. He doesn't address the media, nor should he really have to all the time. 
but it would be nice to maybe get a better idea of, okay, is this Moshiri that's making these decisions? Is he the only one talking to agents? How involved is Bill Kenwright? How involved is Marcel? Obviously, the board is having meetings regularly to talk this through. Like, if there is, if that's not the case, then we might as well just, you know, take our balls and go, take our ball and go home because. Yeah, I. So you, I mean, you saw what I posted the other day on Twitter uh, about Brighton. I think it's Dan Ashworth yes. came out. He's their sporting director, and and Dan, this was God on BT Sports. This must have been two years ago, I think. Um, but he walked through his role as a sporting director because for some reason, people can't English have been res- well reticent to to adopt it. You know, it's been commonplace in Germany. Yeah. And, it's tough for us in America to understand that because we're like, yeah, there's way too much going on with the first team. Like, why would you think someone could also run the academy and run all the scouting and run? I mean, do the analysis team. I mean, like Monchi, if you hear what he'd say, he's like, he went crazy like a couple of weeks ago, I feel like, about Manchester United not having a sporting director. And man, you would say, well, we have kind of a group of people doing, it. but his point is like 60 to 70% of your time would be spent dealing with the first team. Why, or your money is spent on the first team. Why would you not want a specialist that just deals with that? Yeah. I mean, there's so much involved in that. But but so so Dan Ashworth gives this quote, and I think he laid out the structure very well. And his point was that they hired Graham Potter because his style and the things that he liked uh, made sense with their identity. But the identity established at the board level. Now, Tony Bloom's a, a pretty interesting owner, but Ashworth goes continually says, no, no, Bloom's got a vision for the club. Him and the board, they've laid out exactly what they want to be as a club. That is a footballing identity. That's an overall identity. It's a corporate brand. But but look, your identity should be a trickle-down effect from a football standpoint to that to that regular identity. And and that's what Ashworth's point was. And at the very end of the conversation, they said, and they were they were giving them like some flack on, you know, the way you play is very modern and you know, possession and People talk about the whole XG thing with them, XGFC. That was last year, folks. I mean, they, their their results were right in line with all their XG stuff the three prior years. So, I mean, it's only this past year where that's the peripheral stats have looked really good and you could accuse them of being unlucky. But they're saying, you know, if this isn't doesn't seem to be working from a point standpoint, you as a sporting director, you can make a change, right? And he's like, no. He's like, number one, I wouldn't necessarily do that. But number two, it's like, no, the vision and the identity comes from above me. And he's right because the identity of a club needs to be re- needs to be resident in all the functions of business, yeah. in the marketing. It's got to be in sync with the footballing style. Like um, Ralph Ragnick is is one of my favorite guys out there. He's still out there. I'll tell you what. Yeah. But but Ralph as a sporting director would give his three C's. I think he'd give it three K's sometimes too, uh, because in German. Um, but they are concept. Uh, competence and capital. I'm doing this off the top of my head, by the way. I don't know how I remember this stuff, but, um, and, and his point is the concept has to be first. And the Red Bull concept is very, very evident, right? You know, aggressive, disruptive, the up and comers, you know, the people that are challenging the, you know, hierarchy and the traditional nature. And, and, and think about everything from style of play, aggressive, disruptive, very direct, get the ball, take it forward as fast as possible, send it down the field, you know? And the type of people they recruit, competence. But it's same thing, young, disruptive, aggressive. They take risks and chances on people. They buy young people partially due to playing style needs. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. That you need to be young to have the fitness and yep. run like that. But but that that is that's established with the Red Bull brand. So the sporting director can't establish the identity of a club in the way they play football. 
it has to be a trickle down and a reflection of the team identity, the club's identity from the board. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Farhad can throw a bunch of money at brands and say, do what you want. And that might work out fine because brands has shown himself to be a clever guy in the past. But you're missing a trick there, I yeah. think. You know what I mean? Like, like you're missing. Well, like, leadership has to start from, from the commercial, top, right? I mean, you have to start there. And it, and it does. Yeah, how could the other functions do their jobs if they were out of sync from the, like the footballing can't tell the charity group how to act. Right. And just like the, you know, if, if the the manager tells the players, promote a team, everyone has to report to someone except for. Farm. Right. And so if he's not the guy that's starting that sort of chain of command, then we've got major problems. And. Yes. If he's out of alignment with the people downstream from him, that's also a major problem. And that, if you give any... I mean, it's his investment. Right. I mean, every corporation has their brand. I mean, you would think of anything, you would hold on to that. I mean, he's been a successful business guy. So, I mean, I, I don't understand how he doesn't see that unless he's just kind of an absentee owner and brands is on the board and stuff. But I, I think people are a little misguided. They continually blame Marcel brands for not establishing the identity, but the identity has to happen. But is him. he an absence? Is it, is he an absentee owner or does he want to be the guy that's involved in two steps down from him or yeah, I, like who knows? Now? we don't know. And it's again, we're, we're just speculating here, but there is evidence now after this long period of time that there isn't that clear, siloed chain of command and structure in place um, based on the information we have available. And would it hurt if brands came out and kind of walked through it or, or far right. hot at the next JGM or whatever? I mean, I think they should do it more frequently. I mean, Dan Ashworth and Potter were doing zoom calls with fans. I, I, that's okay. Why not? I mean, what have you got to brands hide? Did the brands did the whole thing with the USA. It was great thing. So, I mean, it was fantastic. We were totally energized and loved it. So, so look, are we, the other issue too, I think is, are we waiting too long? And I think there's some sentiment that this needs to happen faster. I don't know if that's really the case. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, I think that, that that is, is a big question. And I think it's really dependent on just how strong and, and well implemented our current hierarchy is, because if mm -hmm. we're not in a position where we have that clear chain of command, well, then the manager missing is going to be a huge problem. Now, if we do have a clear philosophy, a clear strategy, and we're hiring a manager specifically to fit within that structure, then we can make signings and, and strategize and bring in a manager who, who fits more or less seamlessly into Great that point. process. If we don't, because yeah, Ashworth, right, right. Because Ashworth said that he's like, you know, I, I would never tell Grant. I've seen another interview. I would never tell Grant Potter what formation. Right. But we hired him because we want to keep the ball. Possession is important to us. That's part of our identity as a modern club. We think that's the right way to go about business. And that's a trickle-down effect for some of their other ideals. And they've agreed upon that. So, yeah, you would never – and that was his point. He's like, we would never hire anyone that didn't fit that model. So I think Everton fans question the structure when they see uh, managers being discussed or talked about that seem very different. Right. And then you have this very – okay, well – Signing signing Rafa Benitez versus signing Paulo Fonseca or Gattuso or whoever the heck it is. They're so yeah. different. Graham Potter. What are the I mean, very different? What are the commonalities there that would indicate that we really have an idea of what we're even looking for, much less um, sort of what the plan is? It seems like we don't even have a remote clue based on again the limited information we have but to your we just need to hire duncan we just need to hire duncan all right let's not even entertain that because we'll be here for like an hour <laughs> well, and a half more. 
Well, that's true. All right. So, so look, uh, preseason training scheduled on the fifth, you've got Copa America finishing on the 10th and Euro 2020s, fin- which isn't 2021. Uh, so finish- weird, man. <laughs> I know finishing on the 11th. So um, there's some time there, but some deals are getting done. I mean, I think this is probably adding the anxiety a little bit. Don't you? Yeah. Think? It's tough when you see other clubs that are uh, either already above us or potentially looking to surpass us that are making, doing some Lester. Re- yeah, Lester. Villa are making potentially some some big moves, looking to make moves. And, of course, Everton now, within the last couple of days, are uh, are looking at some targets. But, you know, you've got AC Milan, Tamori to AC Milan, Donnarumma to, to PSG, Buffon back to Parma. Like, these, these people are doing business. And, of course, these are clubs yeah. that now have continuity. But um, it, it does... Yeah, Leicester, you know, Bubakare Sumari, yep. who I think is maybe slightly overrated as a prospect, but the number's not bad. You know, the dollar it looks like. And, and Pat Sandaka is a big name from, from Salzburg who um, I don't know if he's perfect, but, but the point is those, those are meaningful players that people think very highly of. I mean, Memphis to going to Barca, um, Rodrigo to Paul, finally moving to Atletico Madrid. So some, some things are happening. I mean, not everything's happening. Um but some you know, things are happening. Um, and it gives you that feeling of ha- it gives you that feeling of of missing out because felt like if we if we had a manager in place then we would have at least the foundation to go make moves but based on yeah. rumors in the last couple of days and last actually even 24 hours we may be making moves regardless yeah so i mean nico gonzalez is the one guy that i saw that went and i thought we was he was going to brighton and i think he's going to fiorentina that that was that's a good example of a guy that you look at and you're like oh man you know, why couldn't it he be would fit yeah. right? He would really fit. But, you know, maybe you need the manager to come in. But you're right. If we already had it kind of locked down. So it does appear, though, that brands has shown interest. And there's some rumor that it's a done deal. Thank you. A bola um, from Mateus Nunez from Sporting CP um, Sporting Club of Lisbon. And uh, Mateus is kind of what he goes by. Um, this is a pretty interesting one. Uh, he's not old. Um, I think he's 22. 22. Yep. Uh, he's not been a locked on starter for sporting. He's kind of come into the team more so this year, but he is very talented. I mean, this is kind of the right type of profile player. I think we should be interested in that we've been preaching about for a long time. Is it not? Yeah, Ryan. I mean, you've watched him obviously a, a lot more than I have per usual, but just at face value, a 22 year old up and coming guy who's starting to sort of break into the first team at his current club. <clears throat> One for the future, a player who would certainly you'd be looking at to eventually either keep long-term or sell for a profit. So all of the sorts of things we've talked about and Marcel Brands is talking, but has talked about wanting to do, from a recruitment standpoint, he ticks all those high-level boxes, and he's not a bad player either, as you've uh, mentioned on Twitter. Yeah, he kind of matches some of the profiles. Uh, he's not necessarily an in-the-box creator type, but he is progressive. Uh, not necessarily from a pass standpoint, but he can carry the ball. He's a much better athlete than I thought he was. It's interesting. I, I watched sporting a lot this year, but I missed him a lot. Uh, for some reason, I just happened to be watching. Um, he's not really a six. I mean, he kind of, kind of comes back for the ball a lot to, to help with transition into attack. Um, but I think he's a very good decision maker. I've had some people that say they didn't think so from what I've seen. He is, uh, he can really hold the ball. Um, he's got good size. He's probably six feet tall. At least, um, he's got some strength only going to get stronger, but he is, he can accelerate. He's agile. Um, 
you see skill too. He pings some passes every now and then with some flair that you're like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Uh, his off the ball movement is amazing. Like it's so good and so forward and aggressive. Like he'll make that quick pass. He holds on to it a little longer than most players can just to make the right decision because he's a little clever with the ball. It kind of keeps people off, off their balance a little bit, you know, and he's got the size to do it too. And so he'll ping a little pass and boom, he'll just take off. And he's really smart about finding space. He can adjust passes in the right places too. I, I think he would fit in. He can play in a two-man midfield, I think, very well. Uh, you'd like him to be partnered with someone that was a little more defensive. But I wouldn't say he's inadequate defensively either. And I, I, I think he just maybe doesn't quite have the defensive tendencies yet that, that he could. Like, he's a lot more active when he has the ball. And maybe that's sporting a little bit, yeah. you know? He doesn't scan quite as much. He doesn't show quite as much defensive awareness. He's not one of those guys that, like, like if someone goes by him, he immediately snaps back into defense and just takes him out. Right. You know, I mean, he'll kick someone. I mean, he's not, I mean, I saw him throw, you know, a couple guys down that I was a little surprised about, um, especially in the Porto match, you know, they got some big boys there, but I, I'm excited about this. I mean, I think the number I saw was maybe 15, 50 million pounds. I think for a guy, his age with his potential, I think, and is already a good player. Um, I, I was I was way more excited about him. I watched him against Benfica. I watched him against Porto. Um, I, I still want to watch him a little bit more against maybe some of the weaker sides. I've watched some of his individual actions because I was a little concerned. Dude, I saw him a couple times take the ball and pivot and just turn and go up the field, man. The acceleration for a guy that size. and the I mean, it was exciting. I mean, I, I just... I, you got me all excited, he, Ryan. He, I, he can make me feel better about losing Moises Casito. Okay. You know what I mean? It's It's a little bit like that. Like... Casino's a little different, but like, yeah, I, I, he's a lot to be excited about. He could be a very, very good player in my my professional judgment. Okay, I mean, what Whatever what possible stronger endorsement could you have than Ryan's professional? Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect, but but yeah, I think he's a reason to be excited. He's the type of profile we should be going for. I think it also implies that we're probably going to move out some midfielders. That well, I think is also equally, if not more, exciting. So. uh I think that's probably a good high note to to perhaps wrap up, Ryan. I think this is a silly season in full force. We didn't expect it to apply quite yeah, as is. much to a managerial search as it does to transfers, but it seems like we're in for a, uh, a very interesting summer. We've got Euros going on. We've got the Florida Cup coming up in July. Excited. ATP will be in the house. We will be there. Yes, we will. We've got to figure out a way to do this thing live. Yeah. Do it live. We'll but... Um, but all right, last words yeah. though. Are, how do you? I mean, do you still have some hope here? Is there some optimism? Are you as skeptical as others? Where are you at? I'm just very. I I don't know how to feel, Ryan. If I'm honest, I feel I was really indignant about the Rafa stuff, but I also don't really give it any legitimacy, and so I'm picturing. Farhad or Brands or whoever at Everton sitting behind closed doors, they know exponentially more than anyone outside of that boardroom does. And they're maybe taking into account the fan reactions, but I don't think much of what we've heard in the last even several weeks has, has been necessarily all that legit. We may find out how close Nuno was. I think that it may even still come back to him. Like it could have been him all along and they've just been putting out these feelers. So I feel like if we're doing good business, we're bringing in Nunez, we're being linked maybe with some other players. 
I still feel optimistic that at the end of the summer, Everton are going to be in a better position than they are currently. And uh, that kind of comes regardless of who the manager is, unless it's Rafa. <laughs> I mean, I'm optimistic about the side in general. I feel like we're finally getting out of the doldrums and the, and the financial yeah. um, restraints from the past, even though I know the club's not been making a lot of money. I, I just, I can't help but still be optimistic. I, I don't believe, I just don't believe some of the takes out there. You know, I just think the that. Despair. Well, look, if, if Jorge Mendez really wants you to talk to someone, I understand talking to him, yeah. you know, and, and giving people the benefit of the doubt and having the conversation with Rafa. I, I understand that. But I think at the end of the day, these things are going to come to the board. And even if Moshiri wants to make contact and talk to these people or bring them in, I have no real even problems with that, even if it seems like he's maybe overstepping his bounds as owner. I mean, which is an absurd thing to say. I mean, he owns a club, right? He can do whatever he wants. But I do think at the end of the day, he's going to look over to his side at Marcel Brands and Marcel's going to kind of give the head nod or not. And I, I can't imagine he would endorse Rafa. Um, and what really upsets me is the rest of the board should be screaming bloody murder. I mean, at a minimum, question, you know, it, it, even if you thought they're incompetent buffoons, which they're not. But if you thought that, I mean, a lot of these people are true blue Evertonians. Right. I mean, so th they clearly would understand or have some pulse on the people. Uh, so I, I just I can't see it happen. I agree. I just I, there's too many. There's just too many rejection points. You know, and I think people would just be too nuts and they can't be that clueless. And I, I'm, I'm still optimistic. I still there are a lot of candidates still out there, I think. And that, that's that's what's kind of got me hope. And I'm going to try not to be as I have been a little bit carried away with some of the reactions due to the, the periodical guys. I never thought I'd do that, but I admit that I have. Um, I'm still optimistic. Yeah, not. Yeah, up. no, I haven't lost faith. I haven't lost. I, I think so, too. I think I think they were committed. The last we heard from the board was that they received a bunch of interest and that they were going to take their time and i think nothing in the last few weeks has necessarily indicated that that's changed so they should they should come out and say we're still taking yeah time. they should they absolutely should we'll find out what happens who knows maybe they will tomorrow maybe they will at the end maybe of the ryan I by the time I, I, this episode I, I, drops rafa benitez will be manager we don't know but it seems unlikely say that <laughs> i'm just saying <sighs> there's a chance i don't think it's a big chance i think it's a very small chance i think they're going to go with a manager that will hopefully unite the fan base in whatever capacity that's possible and put Everton uh, putting the right foot forward as we head into the 2021-2022 season. And on that note, there you go. I think it's a good spot to end. So thank you everyone for listening to the American Toffee <laughs> podcast. If you want to give us a follow or uh, listen to us on any platform, you can find all of our links to socials, et cetera, at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee pod. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash USA Toffee Pod. You can also find the link to our Discord there. If you haven't already, definitely go back and check out our part one squad assessment. It is on both YouTube and all podcast platforms. It's a doozy. Pretty heavy. It's some heavy stuff, <laughs> but there's some great visuals to go along with it. Make it a little more digestible. Um, and let us know what you think. Otherwise, we'll be with you next time. And until then, up the toffees.